You are listening to the Advisor Solutions Podcast, episode 86. Welcome to the Advisor Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Finley, president of Advisor Solutions. Do you know what it takes to have a record-setting year? You might think that it's simple. If I do more, I'll get better results. The problem with that is, is that you're just working harder. Instead, in order to create a record-setting year, you have to know how to work smarter. But has anybody really taught you how to do that? Most likely, they haven't. And if so, know this. You are not alone. Most financial advisors, insurance agents, wholesalers, branch managers, and even agency managers don't have a process for creating a record-setting year. And they don't even know it. The reason they don't know it is because they've never really realized the reality of what it takes to set a new record. You see, there are fundamental things that you have to do in order to get to the next level. And just working harder won't get you there. In fact, if you work, let's say, twice as hard, you'll probably get burned out. <laughs> but what if you were twice as smart? What if you were motivated and you had the motivation to apply new processes on a daily basis to get better results? In other words, you're not reinventing the wheel, but instead you're applying what other advisors and agents have done that actually works. And what if you tracked your actions and your results for the entire year? What do you think would happen to you at that point? Now, do you think that you'd have a higher probability of having a record-setting year? Absolutely you would. So what do you do? Well, you have two choices. You can keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to keep getting what you're getting, or you could learn what I call the reality of creating a record-setting year, which is to understand what it takes to work smarter. And that's what we're going to talk about today so that you can learn what successful advisors and agents do to increase their businesses year after year after year. So if you're ready to learn what it takes to work smarter, then stick around. So why this topic? Why would you want to learn the reality of creating a record-setting year? Well, Einstein said it best when he said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I believe that's true. In order to grow, you need to do things differently. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast today, because I wanted you to understand that doing things differently doesn't have to be difficult, <laughs> especially if other people have already done the same thing, had the same challenges but applied solutions that got them to the next level. So we're going to cover three things in this podcast today. First, writing the next chapter so that you understand how to be in control of your own success. Second, the reality of creating a record-setting year so that you understand the top five things to do to work smarter. And third, how to look back to move forward so that you understand how to learn from your mistakes and how not to repeat them going forward. Now, before we jump into those three things that you're going to learn in this podcast, I need to ask you a few questions. What would your business be like and your life be like if you knew exactly 
what other people did to succeed, and you did the same things too. Would you feel energized? Would you feel empowered? Would you like your business more? And would you apply what you learn? If the answer is yes, then let's begin. Writing the next chapter. As another year begins, you may be wondering what it has in store for you and your business. Will it be a breakout year, a banner year that takes you to the next level? Or will you find your business in the same place this time next year? The story of your future is yet unwritten, so it's up to you to begin writing the next chapter. Here's what I mean. A financial advisory business seems to be made up of a series of what I call chapters, which are compiled during one's career. Each chapter begins a new, and hopefully a greater, level of awareness, accountability, and action as we learn and grow from the previous chapter and the previous experiences. And a lot of times we we may not realize we have moved to the next chapter until we have that defining aha moment. But it really doesn't take an aha moment, nor should it, to start one chapter and end another. In other words, chapters might come in several formats, sizes, and when we least expect them. One example of this happened to me years ago, <laughs> a lot of years ago, when I realized how, how I set an appointment. It was probably over 25 years ago, maybe even longer, because I've been in the industry since 1993. You see, I had several appointments before, but I never really understood how I was getting them. And the conversation went like this. Quote, I think I'm all taken care of. I have mutual funds already, said Mary, a middle-aged business owner. What kind? I curiously asked. They're the XYZ funds. I've had them for years, she stated. Oh, so your advisor is with XYZ Securities. Did he mention that he got paid a higher commission for selling you his company funds? And... With the universe of mutual funds that are out there to choose from, why are those funds the best fund family for you? I don't know, she quietly replied. That's exactly why I want to get together with you. She paused and then said, What time? Unquote. After that conversation, I realized that the, the importance of asking the right questions made all the difference. I began mapping out questions prior to the meetings. That I was having, applying those questions during the meetings, and then I held myself accountable for reviewing those questions and those conversations so that I could get better at it. As a result, I began writing a new chapter, and the chapter was really a way for me to communicate with prospects and clients alike. But it didn't stop there. For years, I was becoming more and more aware of, of challenges that I was having in the business, and Every time I uncovered a challenge, I'd look for a solution. Then I'd apply the solution, I'd attract the results. And that's essentially how my business advisor solutions was born. It was out of the necessity to work smarter and not just harder. Also, that's how both of my books were created. The first book, 101 Advisor Solutions, A Financial Advisor's Guide to Strategies that Educate, Motivate, and Inspire, was based on 101 challenges that Financial advisors and insurance agents had reached out to me and asked, what are the solutions? And my second book, Advisor Life, a 
a business coach's collection of short stories with tools, techniques, and transformational moments is basically a series of epiphanies that happen with clients over the course of a decade. So if you're interested in finding out about those books and finding out the solutions, go to Amazon. Check it out. Why writing the next chapter works. Remember, you're the sole author of your own book about your business and your life. The reason why writing the next chapter works is when you choose the next chapter, you're in control of how it ends. Instead of being at the mercy of leaving your success up to chance. And if we work together, you and I, I'm confident that you'll have a much better outcome than if we don't. Well, now that you understand that the chapters of your story can be written by you, the big question is, what do you need to do in order to make the best year ever? In other words, what's the reality of creating a record-setting year? Well, that is what we're going to talk about next. The reality of creating a record-setting year. Okay, you might be thinking to yourself, cut to the chase. Tell me what I need to do. (laughs) But before I do that, I need to ask you, do you believe that hitting a record in your business happens by chance or by design? If you said design, you're right. Because while most advisors start a new year with big dreams, few advisors reach them. See, the reality of creating a record-setting year is more than just intention and luck. You need a well-thought-out system, and you need to do that system consistently. And it reminds me of when I was a rookie. As a rookie financial advisor 30 years ago, I struggled my first year. During my second year, things were a little bit better but I, because I gathered three times the assets, but I was still in no position to stop eating ramen noodles. And it wasn't until my third year that I made a commitment and a plan to create success. As a result, I tripled my income from the previous year. I then repeated the process the following year, and I doubled my income following the same system. Now, I'm telling you this not to impress you, but to impress upon you that you can't leave success up to chance. So, let's take a look at the top five things to do to have a record year. And, as we go through these, ask yourself this. Did I do any of these last year? Did I do all of these last year? And will I do these next year? So let's go to number one. Number one, create an unwavering commitment. So last week I was in a group coaching session when one of the advisors said, quote, I didn't know I'd have to be committed to this stuff, unquote. I quickly replied, I've never met a successful person that wasn't committed to succeeding. (laughs) The group laughed. In fact, I replied so fast that later I realized that it it was probably a strong belief system in me that I didn't even know before. And it's something that I'm sure that I've had for a long time. Just didn't realize it. The funny thing about creating unwavering commitment is that you might create it and not even know you're doing it at the time. Back to my own story, I know that I mentioned what happened when I was a rookie, but what I didn't mention is what started the commitment to success. When I was a rookie, I I remember that 
It was simple. It was a simple statement that I said, and it went like this. I'm never going below 10,000 gross per month this year. And I said that in December. And so as I went into January, that was my mantra. And that led me down a path to changing my belief system that I could actually do it. I used this same strategy years later by doubling the number. And I was able to hit a personal record high production month five out of the first six months of the year. Why? Well, it was because I, was, I chose to believe that it was possible. Remember, the more you believe in your own potential, the higher the probability that you'll hit your goals. So creating commitment to succeed is the first step. But how do you do that? How do you create commitment? Well, here's how. First, it's by understanding what having unwavering commitment is all about. You see, when you have commitment to your own success, you're actually making a promise to yourself and in some cases to maybe someone else or the company or others to deliver no matter what. So a commitment is a promise to yourself. Second, it's about understanding why. Why you want to have that commitment. Take, for example, when I was a rookie, my original reason why to never go below 10 grand gross a month was simple. I was tired of being broke and I was tired of eating ramen noodles. Nothing wrong with ramen noodles. I just was tired of eating them all the time. Third, it's about attaching your identity to your commitment. And here's what I mean. Picture this. Picture being committed to your own success. Then you reach that level of success. Here's what happens. Whether you realize it or not, you change your belief systems based on your experience. In other words, you're now a person that can reach a certain level of success. Oh, and get this. If you work for a company, a large company, they reinforce that belief system by giving you a title. You're now a chairman's council producer, or whatever they call you. But even if you're not given a title, you might realize that sticking to your own commitment to getting to a level of success, well, it's now who you are or who you've become because it's a part of your identity. In my case, my new identity was someone who had never gone below 10 grand gross in a, in a month. And that's when I was a rookie. And when I was a rookie, I believed that it was possible. Then I sat down one day and I thought, why not double it? So I changed it to 20000 a month, even though I'd never done it before. But like I said, I was able to hit my personal record high production month five out of six months in the first part of the year. And the funny thing is, is that I started to expect to beat my all-time high record for each month. It just became the norm. And that can happen for you as well. Let's go to number two. Number two, the daily discipline of prospecting. So over the years, I've, I've come to realize that the byproduct of commitment seems to be, get this, discipline. Here's what I mean. Take, for instance, if you want to get in shape. Let's say you want to lose 20 pounds and you're committed to that goal of losing 20 pounds. You know that you've made that promise to yourself to lose the weight. And let's just say that your doctor was the one who, who said you needed to do it because of health concerns. So now you have a strong why. <laughs> you start working out every day, and maybe you even join a gym, and you get a personal trainer 
who has you on the schedule of when you're supposed to meet with him or her at the gym to do your workouts. And you're going every day. You've committed to your goal. You've told your family, bought the gym membership, and have that personal trainer. And over time, you stick to your commitment. And you realize that that what you've done is you've created the unthinkable. You have created something called discipline. And it wasn't that hard to do. Do you see what I mean? The byproduct of commitment is discipline. Because you're doing what you needed to do to fulfill your commitment to yourself to accomplish your goal of losing the 20 pounds. And I saw all of this happening in my own story. See, part of that unwavering commitment was to start prospecting every day. This might seem like a no-brainer, but it's not easy unless you do one important thing. You learn to enjoy what you're doing. It might sound crazy, but if you make a game out of how many dials, how many contacts, how many appointments you set while you're prospecting, you can actually have fun with it. So I made a game out of prospecting, and I try to win the game every day. But I'm not the only one. I've duplicated this process with my clients. In fact, in the first coaching session with a brand new client, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And I know exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to show them tools to create discipline. In fact, I'll show that person a series of tools. We'll start off with the bottom line list, which will create structure and a game for the day. Then we're going to go to the accountability emails, which will tell me if they're applying the bottom line list. And then I'll talk about the time matrix to-do list, which is really a process for handling and managing tasks and interruptions. And if we have time, I'll definitely show them the new business strategy list, which is a, a detailed sales pipeline. But before we finish up that call, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show them the reward punishment system, which is tied into the winning or losing the bottom line list or game for the day. And take a wild guess at what the very first thing is on the bottom line list or the very first bottom line activity, the thing that they need to do. Did you guess it? It's prospecting. And the reason that it's the first thing to do each day is because I'm trying to help them create the daily discipline of prospecting so that they get results. But it doesn't always happen that way. Take Joe. That's not his real name. A client of mine years ago. He was a producing branch manager with 20 plus years of experience who wanted to take his business to the next level. His production side of the business, that is. He understood the bottom line list, which is made up of five bottom line activities. Prospecting, client servicing, prospect follow-ups, getting ready for, for appointments or being in appointments, and miscellaneous. The way to win the game is to do four out of five bottom line activities every day. And if you did three or less, you lost the game. Now, this guy won the game almost every day. And the only problem was that after a while, I noticed the the four out of five activities that he was doing, or should I say, I realized the activity that he wasn't doing. Have you guessed it yet? It's prospecting. When I asked him why he moved that to the last activity, he said to me, it's because he didn't like doing it. And the reason why he didn't like doing it was because he didn't like getting rejected. So we flipped it around. We made the very first thing prospecting like I had created it. And guess what happened? Did you guess it? He prospected, and as a result, he created discipline, and 
over time, got over his fear of rejection. Oh, and after all of that, he got results. Let's go to number three. Number three, a systematic way of selling. Although hope is a good thing, it's not the best strategy for sales success. Instead, you need a systematic way of selling so that you can duplicate every step of the way from the initial contact to closing the sale. In my third year, I also learned from a top producer how to cross-sell to my client base. This opened my eyes to, to gather more assets, additional assets, and commissions, but most importantly, to increase my, my value to my client base. Today, I have a tool for my clients to create a systematic way to sell or prospect. Those two are pretty much close cousins. It's called the Advisor's Edge Worksheet. In the previous two podcasts, episode 84 and episode 85, the flip side of foolish and the flip side of foolish part two, I explained just that, four techniques out of the Advisor's Edge Worksheet. And two of my great clients were kind enough to role play those techniques. So if you haven't listened to those podcasts yet, please do. Please go back and listen to those two because I know you'll get a lot out of it. Now, here's the crazy part. The Advisor's Edge Worksheet has nine techniques to it. In fact, we didn't even have time to role play all of them, but, but I will and I'll explain each one of those in the next podcast, episode 87. But picture this. You're calling a prospect and you know exactly what you're going to say. In fact, it's right in front of you on an Excel worksheet. Then they give you an objection and you ask yourself, is it true or is it false? Depending on the answer, you click another tab below, which is another technique. And you find the objection in the first column, such as, I have an advisor. And you go right across the row, which tells you exactly what to say. What this does is it gives you a systematic way of selling. And it works. Oh, and here's the best part. This tool is just the first stage of the pipeline, which I call stage one, the initial contact so that you can set more appointments and have, have a successful start to your day, which builds discipline because, well, you're committed. You're committed to your own success. Do you see how this all fits together? It's kind of like puzzle pieces. Let's go to number four. Number four, a detailed tracking system. So I read a quote the other day by Warren Buffett, and it goes like this, quote, if you can't read the scoreboard, you don't know the score. If you don't know the score, you can't tell the winners from the losers, unquote. The reason that I like that quote so much is because it illustrates the point that if you don't track your daily progress, you don't really know how well or how poorly you're doing. Now, let's go back to my story. In order to keep the momentum of the activity and the results going, it was important for me to create a tracking system. And that tracking system was a simple system to fill out during the day, but it was effective because it kept me, kept me on track. And what it did is it helped me to know if I was going to achieve my monthly goals. You see, I created what I call a daily scorecard that just tracked the, the amount of calls, the amount of contacts, the appointment set, how many times I asked for the order, what the gross commission was, and so on. Next, I created a sales pipeline of all of the prospects and the clients, so I knew how many people and how much potential business was possible. 
And finally, I tracked daily gross production, and I knew exactly if I was above or below my goal at any given time. And when you make tracking a priority, you get kind of excited about achieving your goals, and you actually achieve your goals faster. Today, I spend a lot of time with my advisor and agent clients looking at tools that I created. And one of the tools that I created to help them track is called the New Business Strategy List. As I mentioned, it's a sales pipeline tool to track who's in the pipeline, what stage they're at, what possible challenges the advisor or agent has, and what solutions they may need to apply. I call this situational coaching. They tell me the situation or the person, and they tell me what's going on and what we do is we strategize around it, we map out the strategy, and they go out and apply it. And then they tell me the results later. It's very fun to hear their success stories. So if you want to learn more about this tool, I did a podcast on this, episode 15. It's called Building Your New Business Strategy List. I'm pretty confident that after you listen to that podcast, episode 15, you'll want a copy of that tool. Just shoot me an email and I'll send it to you. The point is, if you want to create a record-setting year, you need to consistently be tracking each day, both what you're doing during the day, like the bottom line list does, and who you put into the pipeline and through the pipeline, like the new business strategy list does. That way, you know if you're winning or losing the game. Let's go to the last one, number five. Number five, a strong reward and punishment system. So which is more motivating, the carrot or the stick? In other words, are people more motivated by reward systems or by punishment systems? Well, I think there's two possible answers to that. Here's what I mean. I've found that each person is unique. One person might say the carrot or the reward system. And another might say the stick or the punishment system. How to avoid the punishment, that is. And some people are demotivated by one of those. I had one person say, I don't need a reward system. Just having a good day is a good reward for me. But I will punish myself. While another person said, I hate doing a punishment system, but I'll definitely reward myself. So the first possible answer to that question is, each person's unique. Now the second answer is, both. Here's what I mean. People are motivated, I think, when they, when they know that they literally will either get one or the other at the end of the day, a reward or a punishment system. I actually think this is the most motivating when people are committed to sticking to it. But here's what happened to me. At the end of my third year, I was shocked at the amount of success I was achieving by greatly surpassing my goals. Looking back at it now, it's not about the numbers. It's about all the other things that are obtained when you surpass what you believe you are capable of doing. Things like confidence, pride, and increased self-esteem to name a few. But that's not to say that you shouldn't have a strong reward and punishment system. In fact, I went from eating ramen noodles the previous year, which felt like a kind of a punishment system after a while, to buying my first house, which was definitely a reward system. You see, when you have a strong reward system, you have added incentive to achieve your goals. When you have a strong punishment system, you have a strong incentive to avoid the pain 
of feeling that punishment when you have to punish yourself. And either way, you have incentive. And that incentive will help you to turn your goals into reality. How to look back to move forward. So I said we're going to cover three things in this podcast. First, writing the next chapter. Check, we did that. Second, the reality of creating a record-setting year. Check, we did that too. Now what we're going to talk about is how to look back to move forward so that you understand how to learn from your own mistakes and how not to repeat them. So, do you try to learn from your mistakes? I know that we all hope that we do, but when was the last time you actually purposely reviewed what you're doing wrong in order to learn from it and not to repeat that mistake again? I've got to tell you a quick story that happened a couple of weeks ago. One of my clients wanted to talk to me about her year. Now, she's a top producer, and she's been in the business for 15 years. And since we were coming up to the end of the year and the beginning of the new one, I assumed that she, what she really wanted to talk about was goal setting. Most people do. But what she really wanted to talk about were the top three things that she wished she would have done better the previous year. And that was kind of interesting to me because she wanted to, quote, look back to move forward, unquote. In other words, she didn't want to repeat the same mistakes again. After a long conversation about each thing that she wished she would have done better, we shifted gears into why each of those things happened in the first place. Also, what did she want to ha happen going forward? So now we had point A, what she wished she would have done better, and point B, what she wanted to do differently in the upcoming year. Then we mapped out how to get there. But we made sure that we talked about what needs to happen on a daily basis. And that way, she wouldn't wake up at the end of first quarter or the end of second quarter and still be at point A, wishing that she was doing something a little bit better. And get this, we created accountability and a reward punishment system. So let me give you just one example of one of the three things that we talked about that she wanted to change. She wanted a systematic way to consistently get referrals. Now, she'd been getting referrals without asking for them, but she wanted to actually have a systematic way of doing it and to apply the Advisor Solutions Effective Referral System. That's what I call it. So here's the strategy. She's committed to asking because she wants to grow her business. She knows when she's going to ask for referrals each day. So what she'll do is she'll build in that daily discipline that I talked about. She understands the client-centered referral dialogue, so she knows how to ask for referrals. So she's got the systematic way of doing it. She has a referral tracker to add her numbers each day, as well as review those each week with me. So she's got her tracker, and she's got a daily reward and punishment system. It's kind of the fuel to the fire, or the gas in the car, to make the whole machine run better. The point is, She's got a system now, and it'll work, and she'll get a much better result than she did last year when it comes to referrals. Now that is the reality of creating a record-setting year. And you can do it too.
Well, thank you for listening to this Advisor Solutions Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you can listen each week. Also, check us out on the web at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And finally, if you like what you heard and you want to know more about the Advisor Solutions Group Coaching Program or the Advisor Solutions Individual Coaching Programs, please email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. I would be happy to set up a free coaching session if that's what you'd like. Again, that's dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. Please join us next week as we help advisors and agents build a better business, one solution at a time. We'll be right back.